The concept of the transformational CIO is crucial to the chief information officer role. It truly represents the next evolution of the CIO. We are speaking with somebody who embodies the traits of the transformational CIO. Jay Farrow is the CIO of Quickrete. It's the largest manufacturer of concrete in the U.S. Jay Farrow, welcome to CXO Talk. Oh, Michael, thank you. The, the thrill is mine. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Jay, when we talk about transformational CIO, let's begin with transformation. What do we, what do we mean in this context? You know, it's interesting. The word is so overused, I think, today that it's lost some of its meaning. And I think what we talk about with today in 2019, we use different language in the past, uh, you know, continual improvement uh, or, or whatever. To me, taking the digital out of it and just talking about transformation, it's, it's someone who, or going from one state uh, to another and constantly looking for opportunities to deliver higher quality to more customers, uh, internally and externally, and always challenging yourself to stay one, two, three, four steps ahead uh, of, of where uh, you need to be. My team looks at it. <laughs> I always tell them, I said, we will always have the bar set for us higher than our customers have for us. Now, that's not always true. But the way we do that is constantly challenging ourselves uh, to get better in all aspects of our roles. And it has very little to do often with technology and a lot more to do with transformational leadership first. So the essence then of what we're talking about is the idea of CIO as business leader. That's, is that fundamentally it? Oh, I think that's spot on. And I, you know, you, I think you've heard me say, and I've said many times that the CIO is a business executive or business leader first, and then he or she is a technologist second. Now, they're closely related, clearly, but I hear so much belly aching and questions about how do we get seats at the table, and it's amazing that still in 2019, we're talking about that. But to me, one of the keys is that you operate and are constantly thinking of yourself as a business leader who happens to have a domain of expertise in technology. And you always have an understanding and you're always seeking to learn more about the business that you're in. I mean, I've spent enough time in, at QuickRead already to understand that, you know, the, the best way I can be effective is to understand our business and what we do, how we produce our products, top to bottom. And I don't know that there's a better role to learn that than the CIO. But Jay, here's a dumb question. That seems pretty obvious to me. That's right, you're in business, you have to know what your company does. Why are we having this conversation at all? I think we're stubborn. I mean, I think CIOs are stubborn. I don't, you know, to, to me, it seems obvious, to you, it seems obvious. And it's a common thread, I think, with CIOs. And I'm certainly not throwing myself into that category. But, you know, when I meet world class CIOs, they always seem to understand that it, they work for a company that's in business for a reason. When I was at ACS, you know, we were not a technology company. Now, I know we always say every company is a technology company, and to a point they are, but we existed there to end pain and suffering from cancer. 
here we want to be the, you know, the world, we are the, you know, the largest concrete and concrete products company in North America. And we want to continue to grow and excel and be the, the market leader, not the best IT company that happens to be concrete. How pervasive is this issue among uh, CIOs in general, would you say? I think it's 50-50. I really, you know, we, you and I talk a lot. We're, we run in a lot of the same circles and I still see arguments, arguments, probably not the best word, but vigorous debate around technologies, around those types of philosophies. And amongst ourselves, I think that's fine because we're still being called on to be technology leaders. You expect that your CFO is going to be atop of her or his game in the financial arena. Same thing with your chief accounting officer, head of, head of talent or whatever. We certainly are expected to be that way, but that's not what we need to be leading with. You know, we need to be leading with business driver. What is what is going to grow and retain uh, our customer base and continue to you know to delight them? And I think often we kind of fall back into our comfort zone of talking about ping power pipe bits and bytes and all of those things. Is and it- I, I feel like we shoot ourselves in the in the foot a good bit. When we lead with that and we don't ascribe business context to what we're talking about. So is the the issue then one of priority? Obviously, we have to talk as CIOs, we have to talk about technology. So is is the issue one of where we prioritize? You know, it might be. It might be we fall back into our comfort zone. Um, you know, it might be we have crossed over from an era where five nines was actually a thing. And, you know, we want to be patted on the back for keeping the trains running on time. I, I, to me, those are all, you know, those are all table stakes. Uh, I, I, it might be misaligned priorities, Michael. I think that's a very, very good point, you know, but we have to ask ourselves as leaders. And this is where the leadership component of being a, a C-level executive comes in, where you're always looking at yourself first and saying, how can I get better? How can I communicate more effectively? You know, is it just the magnificence of the PowerPoint that I that I put in front of them that they should have gotten my point? Or am I building the right relationships? Am I getting out in front of our customers? Am I spending time at our plants or at our retail stores or at our hospitals or out with volunteers really understanding what's going on? And I know for a fact, not enough CIOs do that. I know it. I mean, I, I've talked to too many that just are in some operations center somewhere and they just, I've talked, have you visited your stores? Yeah, when I first joined, oh, that was five years ago. <laughs> you, you know, you, you need to get out there and understand, build relationships with the people who are doing the real work on the front line. And to me, not only do you earn credibility, but you're going to be a better solution provider because you're going to understand how your company makes money and where IT fits into that. You know, uh, Arsalan Khan on Twitter makes a really interesting point. He says, CIOs need to be business first, but the business does not always consider them to be so. For example, even today, most annual reports list execs that are not the CIOs, but rather CFO, COO, and CEO. I think, you know, we still have some runway ahead of us for that CIO to be listed in the same 
breadth, particularly with older companies or company companies that have been slow to change, I think he's spot on, and he usually is, that there's still some evolution that has to happen. But I still see CIOs, Michael, that bellyache and lament and, and just are, are struggling with that. And instead of complaining, I, I think continue to build relationships, continue to work with your CEO, your president, your CFO, um, you know, to me, continue to deliver and exceed. And I think I posted something the other day. I said, you know, winning cures all ills. It's true of sports teams and it's true of a CIO role where if you deliver, you're proactively delivering, you're prototyping, you're solutioning. Uh, I hear so many CIOs still talk in order taker type language. Well, they know, you know, the, they didn't invite me to the strategy meeting. Well, you know, you've been here three years. Don't you know 80% of it on its own? You can extrapolate some and, and begin to show them that you understand it. Maybe they should invite you, and I know they should. But don't wait to be knighted all the time. And uh, I, I, it, it frustrates me. I know uh, a number of our, of, of our fellow colleagues, Tim Crawford being one, he and I just talked about this at CIO Chat uh, live in Boston. And he and I just have, we were laughing because I just have no tolerance for CIOs who are their own worst enemy. And they shoot themselves in the foot constantly with, you know, kind of pouting and, and pounding the, the table that they should be invited, but they're not doing the things they need to get invited. If we were to drill down into the components of transformational leadership as it applies to the CIO, how do we now execute against this intention to be a business leader? Well, I think practice makes perfect. <laughs> I think, you know, it starts with the man in, or the woman in the mirror and holding yourselves account, yourself accountable to authenticity ethical behavior, transparency, um, coaching, mentoring, a strategic mindset, resiliency. Um, I, I think it's very much tied to a servant leader type approach to leadership. I think, you know, the, the transformational leadership versus the servant, I, I think there's a lot of overlap, but I think it starts with the, the person in the mirror. You've got to challenge yourself. And believe me, I know that's tough. You're getting yelled at. Customers are, are needing things. People are still going to treat you like you're the IT girl or the IT guy. I've worked for multi, and I do, work for very large organizations. And when I was at AIG, I worked for one of the largest organizations on the planet. And there's nothing more demoralizing than when you walk in to a meeting with the CEO and he or she's been there for 30, 40 years, and he goes, oh, a new member of our board, I want you to meet our IT guy, Jay. Okay, that's our HR person. There's the finance dude, and there's the, the sales the lady. You don't, but we're always the IT guy. And, and I jokingly correct them and, and say, no, you know, I'm chief information officer. I've earned the role and I'm proud of it, but you know, we still got some work to do, but it always starts with yourself. And it's amazing what happens, Michael, when you start with yourself and you hold your direct reports and their reports, et cetera, and you're modeling that behavior, how quick, quickly it permeates an organization. As you're going through these things you're, you're describing, maintaining operational excellence, meaning systems, of course, have to 
be running without a glitch at the same time. Yeah. Nobody wants to be that guy walking into, uh, you know, you're walking in and you're a newly knighted CIO, you're an experienced CIO and, and you, you walk in and you, you're all excited with a PowerPoint deck about IOT and big data and machine learning and people can't get email or the AS400 sales order, you know, uh, process is broken because of some arcane technology that, that, you know, just isn't functioning all the time. You, you have to do that. To me, that's table stakes. Like I said, winning cures all ills. Part of winning is that you're fundamentally taking care of the blocking and tackling. I know I get beat up for using sports analogies all the time. Uh, in fact, when we were in Boston, I think Ginny Hamilton from Red Hat or Emprizer said, everybody drink when Jay uses a sports analogy. So everybody out there, you can go ahead and drink. But uh, in this case, football championships are built in the trenches. Yes, you have Hail Marys and all the big plays, but they're built in the trenches with sound defense, sound offense, one play at a time. And IT is no different. IT is absolutely the same. We're all going to have big, big bets and we want those, but you are never going to get the opportunity to make those big bets if you can't make the small bets or you can't execute on the blocking and tackling every single day. And uh, going back to your point, Michael, of just having the trains run on time. And that's really what that means in our, in our world. Jay, what about the role of the CIO in customer-facing activities and generating revenue in customer experience? Is there a role for the CIO in these activities? I think it varies from industry to industry, you know, to, to what degree. But I think the answer is almost always yes. No matter which company I've been with, I've always tried to be the best ambassador of that organization that I can. If nothing else, to attract and retain talent, to make sure that as you're recruiting people, they know they're going to a, a destination of, of choice, that IT is, is something that is valued at that organization. But beyond that, yeah, I think we're considered senior business executives. I want to be at sales ops meetings. I want to be meeting our customers. I want to hear firsthand how we are meeting or not meeting, hopefully it's more of the former, or exceeding our customers' expectations. And you know this, uh, Michael, you've talked to a number of world-class leaders. I, I don't know how you get better information than when you're talking to your customers. And I don't know what else builds more credibility than when you're looking at your customer and you're, they know you're listening. It was the same at AIG with brokers or, or insurers. It was the same at, at Earthlink. It was the same at the American Cancer Society with, with volunteers and, and donors. It's the same here at QuickRead with our, either our smaller customers or our large ones. If they have a concern or things are working well and you're looking at them, listening to them, are you going to tell me you're not going to want to do more business with somebody that you know is responsive and is all in on your needs? I think we do it every day in our normal lives. You go back to somebody you trust. And uh, I, I think it's no different in, in the role of the CIO. And uh, I take that part of my job very seriously. Does the CIO need permission to engage in these customer-facing activities? Or is it something that you just, you do? <laughs> I, I laugh because I'm, t I'm, more, I'm sure you probably have figured this out, but I'm more of an ask for forgiveness versus permission kind of guy. Oh, I definitely figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I, I think more often than not, when you have a good relationship with your, you know, your CEO's president, COO, CFO, whomever you report to, you know, there's a certain level of latitude where they trust that you're going to make good decisions. I, I certainly think you, as a representative of the company, you, you certainly have fiduciary responsibilities and, and other things that you may not know in a new role where you probably should just kind of sanity check those before you go out and, and say certain things. That said, I think more often than not, I've worked, I've had the luxury and the, the, the blessing of having bosses that have encouraged that. But again, it goes back to what you said earlier, Michael, is that the trains have to run on time. You know, a, a lot of CIOs that I know, um, I've, I know I've learned this the hard way. We can do all the speaking engagements, the sales meetings, the publicity, the writing, and all the fun stuff. And we, a lot of us enjoy it. Some don't, but a lot of us enjoy that. But if the house is on fire back home, that's that's not good. Um, I mean, we're not immune from that here. I know I have a lot of burning platforms right now at any company at any given time, but I think it's still important that we uh, we take time for this part of our uh, this part of our role. Again, I want to remind everybody we're talking with Jay Farrow. He's a very innovative CIO. So Jay, we're talking about the practicalities of being a transformational CIO. How do you build an IT department that reflects these characteristics as well? It starts with yourself, of course. You're hearing a recurring theme. It starts with modeling the behavior and incenting that behavior and then making sure that folks who don't follow that same behavior are held accountable uh, for their actions. But it goes beyond just modeling it. I mean, there's communication, of course, training, reinforcement, mentoring, all of those things. I, I, I think more often than not, people want to do the right thing. And they are trying to do the right thing. They just may need a little nudging. I have found that the power of just looking somebody in the eye and telling them that you trust them or thank you <laughs> or great job or I knew you had that. Good. I'll never forget a story, Michael, early in my career, a gentleman named Mike Long, who was the CIO for the division of AIG that I worked for. I remember bringing in a, an invoice or a PO and I just giving him a heads up that I was signing it. Now I had significant signing authority. But he was new to the company, and uh, he looked at me, smiles very gently, and sits down, looks at it, looks back at me, he goes, why did you show me, show me that? And I knew what he meant. He meant, I trust you. You're in your role for a reason. If I have a question, I'll absolutely tell you. And I ne that never was lost on me, that the power of trust, now it wasn't blind trust, he had gotten to know me well enough to know that he could trust me. It wasn't day one. Yeah, do what you do, man. Um, but he knew he, he could trust me. And as long as it was in my threshold and as long as it was part of our strategic plan and in the budget and there were no other outside forces uh, that would have curtailed it, he trusted me. And I've tried to pay that forward uh, throughout my entire career. He was and still is one of the best bosses I ever had and a, and a terrific mentor to me. And so I think that's where it starts. 
the hard part of this, Michael, is that not a lot of people, I mean, often there are people, excuse me, that just don't get it. And they don't want to come along with what you're doing. They're not drinking the Kool-Aid. They're not buying what you're selling. Maybe they were used to being hidden. Maybe it's just not their cup of tea. And, you know, and that's okay. In my turnarounds or transformations, the train leaves the station one time. And you're on it or you're not. And you've heard me say before, if you can't change people, change people. And that's, not, that's never easy. It's the hardest part of any leader's job, I, I hope. Um, but you have to do it because all you're doing is poisoning people by keeping the C, D, and F players on board and being scared to, to root them out. You're giving a other A players, you're sending a message to them that performance doesn't matter or the way you conduct yourself doesn't matter. And it's absolutely demoralizing. And when you get rid of them, and hopefully it's not that many, to me, it's just addition through subtraction. So the talent management aspect of this is, is, is where you start, and that's a crucial element. Absolutely. What about when it comes to things like uh, budgeting, allocation of resources? What's the impact if, if you're being a transformational CIO, what's going to be the impact on budgeting and investing? Well, we all wish we didn't have one, right? I mean, we all want... Um, we want a we want a blank checkbook, Michael. Come on, I want to I want to spend money. But uh, to me, you earn you earn that credibility. Um, couple couple thoughts on that. One, I think it requires CIOs to be fiscally savvy and and to operate their organization as if they were a CEO. I generally don't like that analogy. The CEO of IT, I, it just rubs me the wrong way. But I think in this case, it works because you, you are fiscally responsible for your organization, making sure that you're constantly looking for opportunities to, to better reinvest dollars, for growth opportunities, for cost savings opportunities, that you're working with your colleagues uh, to look for revenue generating opportunities. The second part of that is that I try to push down budget authority as far as I can within the organization. It goes back to trust. If I'm the one that has to sign off on literally everything, what message does that send to my team? I don't trust you to sign a $500 PO. I've got to be able to create you know, layers of, of, of approval. And I don't mean layers in red tape, but making sure people understand that you trust them. And if they have a budget, they're being held accountable to it. But as long as they're within their budget, and again, there are no extraordinary circumstances like, hey, you know, we're in a budget crunch right now. We're kind of putting some things on hold. That you're not, you don't want to see every five hundred dollar invoice. And to me, that trust and that teaching of fiscal responsibility, and there may be a training component, is really important to building a world class team. Let's shift gears and talk about some of the obstacles that come up that prevent a CIO or an organization from being transfer having transformational IT. And I think a good way to start is we have an excellent question from actually the at CXO Twitter account. And at CXO Talk asks, what if your company does not have a culture of business innovation? Then what do you do? That's tough. That's tough. I mean, look, I'm in the concrete business, right? And, and when, when, when you start listing companies or industries, rather, they're at the cutting edge. I'm not sure concrete or cement products is necessarily always vaulted to the top of the list. 
Um, I'm a big believer in, in playing the hand you're dealt and doing the best you can with what you're given. So even in this space, uh, I think we can be highly innovative. And I was pleasantly surprised that we can be. We're, we're going to get better and we're going to continue to grow that aspect of our, uh, of our business. But I, I think it all starts, number one, with delivery, uh, relationships with your, your fellow C-suite executives and your CEO. You may hit a point where you've done it time and time again. You've been there a number of years. You're delivering in the cultural Inertia is just so thick that you you can't break out of it. And then and only then maybe would you consider moving on or moving to another role because it's just, you're just never going to kind of crack that that shell. I haven't been in, in too many companies. I've been maybe one or two in my career where you just, you gave it the old college try. You did everything you could and they just aren't going to come along. Uh, and then I think you have to take a hard look and maybe move on to another role. But I'm 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 a big believer again also in living to fight another day. So when you know I have ten big innovative ideas, ten big things that I want to do, let me deliver one. Let me just start with the smallest one and deliver that one flawlessly. Show the revenue, show the cross savings, show the customer sat, show it in in terms that the business is going to understand. And I will say at least 80% of the time over time, they come along. I think a lot of CIOs are impatient and, and you know, they don't want to wait for that. They don't want to build it over time. Okay. Uh, we have another question from Twitter. Uh, Chris Peterson asks, is it possible for the CIO or the organization as a whole to be transformational if they're unwilling to make that initial investment? Well, Chris, hello. Thanks for the question. I don't know how you would do that, right? Because I think we probably ascribe transformational to more people that maybe deserve it. <laughs> uh, you know, to to me, um, it's a it's a lifestyle, it's a mindset, it's an everyday way you are kind of being. And if you're not willing to to do the the introspection or the, you know, make the investment in yourself. I don't know how you can be transformational or investment in your team. Now, if you're talking about dollars, I still think there's a lot you can do with what you have because um, a lot of it is behavioral, uh, behavioral and it's a lot of it is leadership based. But I, I don't, I can't think of a very good example where somebody has said, I want to be transformational but I'm not willing to invest in what it takes to be transformational. I, I don't see how that you could do that. I think he, I think in his case, he was talking about budgets and dollars. Fair enough. Okay. So I still think there's some runway I have found in the last three or four organizations I've been in. Uh, I'm a big believer also in self-funding, a lot of transformation. When I was at the American Cancer Society, we found significant savings through cost optimization in our first year and had nothing to do with, hey, we're going to do a giant riff and we're going to recoup some salary dollars. We did a reorg, of course, as part of our transformation, but there were a lot of, we spent a lot of time in renegotiating contracts and, and looking at our, uh, our, our current spend. And we ended up finding a material amount of opportunity right out of the gate that I was able to repurpose 
toward transformational uh, activity. Earthlink was no different. AIG was no different. So right out of the gate, I didn't have to go asking for a big capital outlay in order to make some of the transformational moves that I that I did. Uh, if you don't have those opportunities and the company is not willing to invest, then I think you're pretty hamstrung. I mean, because certainly it's going to cost uh, some dollars to to move the needle. So we're talking about the obstacles to transformation of IT, and clearly one of those is if if the company, if the other business leaders just don't see the opportunity for IT and they just want to operate IT as a you know, as a cost center and cut that cost to the bone as low as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that's still very common. It's still considered a back office function. It's you're the IT girl, you're the IT guy, you're the, you're the plumbing. And to a degree, we always will be. And you have to embrace that part of the role. I mean, if you're the CFO, you still have to close the books every month. And I'm not sure any CFO is going to call that sexy. You know, and, and he or she is going to go into a meeting saying, you know, I really want to focus on some more cutting edge stuff. So we're just not going to close the books this, <laughs> shit, this month. Uh, see, look, you, it's part of the job. We got to do both. And, and you know, I, I feel like it's to me, I've never sh I've never shied away from that. I don't know how I have any credibility with my peers. Let me back up. Let me th think about this, Michael. If you're an average executive in a company or just pick an executive, doesn't really matter. It could be at any level. What is IT to them? And I don't mean, you know, is it plumbing or whatever. What is their interaction generally with IT for your average employee or colleague? It's email, clearly. Some collaborative, collaborative workspace, a CRM, an ERP, handful of other applications. Okay. They're not in your meetings every day talking about IoT, machine learning, and all of these other whiz-bang things that we all love, yet. Some are. But if you can't make those six or seven core functions work for them, why do you think you're going to have any credibility with them when you do bring them spend opportunities and say, hey, I think I can generate $25 million in net new income if you just give me $5 million. Wait a minute. Aren't you the guy that downs our CRM every other day? Aren't you the, the, the head of the department that can't seem to roll out mobile tools? I, and you want me to give you 5 million? What? You know, so take care of business. So you have to, you, you have to earn that. Every day. You never own it, man. You rent it. Rent's due every day. And look, I mean, every organization screws up. I screw up every single day. We have so much opportunity here, and it has not a slight against QuickCrete whatsoever. Every company has opportunity. And I'm a newer CIO, so certainly I want to get my DNA on it. And we have a lot of fundamental blocking and tackling things that we have to do here. And we are, we are doing it. We're working 24-7 to do that. But just because I don't, you know, just because it's not the sexiest work doesn't mean I, I'm not on the hook for it. If those things are happening, uh, I end up with a better class of challenge and a better class of project other than kind of all the plumbing stuff that a lot of people focus on. And we have another question from Twitter. Douglas Licato asks, how do you maintain a transformational process after it started? 
Great question, Doug. I hope you're doing well. Doug and I worked together at the American Cancer Society. He was one of my rock stars. I hope he, I'm sure, no doubt, he's still rocking it. And uh, Doug is uh, Doug is good people. Um, Doug, I'm going to tell you, and, and you know this because we went through it, um, it's that typical change curve. Everybody's hyped. Everybody's jacked. And you fall into the valley of despair. And that's when uh, you, your metal is tested as a leader. And Doug has heard me say this a thousand times. You know, your metal is, when I say leader, I don't just mean the CIO. I mean, every role in IT or the company, everyone is a leader. And it all starts with, you know, the tone at the top. I get that. But that, you know, it's easy to be a leader when you're winning awards and you're doing all those kinds of things and everything is great. It's easy to, to do that. But look, when you're going through a change and people are belly aching, maybe you rolled something out and, and it didn't work as expected. Maybe the customers are angry. Uh, maybe there's an outage, uh, whatever. That's, that's how great leaders are made. And uh, again, you know, it, it all falls at the doorstep of the CIO or the senior leaders. You've got to model the behavior and get out of the ivory tower and, and where the action is to show them you're there with them and, and not just a dog and pony. Here I am for five minutes. Keep it up, guys. I got a plane to catch. You, you, you got to be in it with them. Jay, how much of your time as CIO is spent dealing with specific technologies, whether it's network infrastructure, whether it's evaluating any kind of different technologies versus the, the leadership dimensions of your role? Oh, that's a great question, Michael. I think the leadership aspect permeates everything that I do, no matter what it is, whether I'm, I'm talking to my network engineers or my, my systems engineers or my support desk staff or our tech center folks out in the field or folks at the plant. That leadership aspect is always there. It's got to be. Okay. It's always got to be there. But that said, uh, I think it also depends on where you are in your evolution too. Like right now, um, being a newer CIO at QuickCrete, a lot of what I'm doing falls more into stabilization than improvement and transformation, right? So I think a lot of times our work falls into those three buckets and we can get into a Twitter argument later about the names or how many there are, but generally they fall into those. And my man, Doug has heard me talk about this a hundred times. We spent a lot of our time there in the first year, 18 months around stabilization. And I don't mean always that things are dying, although some case, in some cases they are, you're spending a lot more time in the trenches with that than you are evaluating emerging technologies. I think once the patient is not at risk of dying on the table uh, and you're more in you know, improvement mode, and you can carve off more time, uh, that, that percentage changes. And uh, right now, I am probably over-indexing on the stabilization, stabilization and improvement buckets because I'm new. I'm learning the organization. We have some opportunities. We're a very big company. Uh, we're a great company. Um, you know, and I think we've turned a corner, but you know, I'm over-indexing there, and I think that'll pay big dividends as we, as, as we, I do begin to evaluate transformational technologies. So software vendors, enterprise software vendors, want to pitch CIOs. Right. 
but the really good CIOs are not focused on these products. They're focused on the leadership and the business dimensions that we were talking about earlier. So is there a disconnect there between what technology vendors are trying to do and what CIOs are trying to do? You know, I get asked that question a lot. In fact, I did a I did a panel not too long ago on made up of a lot of vendors out in the audience, and it was a panel of of CIOs asking that very question: How do we get more of your time? How do we get our foot in the door? How do we you know carve off a little bit of your time to to kind of show you why we think our product uh, is so awesome for you? I will say most vendors that I've talked to are salespeople. They don't listen very well. You know, they 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 don't have patience. And when I say that, hey, really now is not a great time, but I'm going to keep you in mind and we'll definitely make some time down the road. I either, for a lot of them, I don't hear from them again, uh, or they think a lot of time or down the road means two weeks later. And I, I think understanding that tone and learning how to read a CIO is super important. I think they need to also build relationships at that SVP, VP, director level as well. CIOs cannot be masters of every domain. We can't. So I am dependent on my vice presidents and my senior staff to evaluate a lot of these technologies and their applicability for our environment and to vet some of those before they even get to me. Now, if I have a trusted VP or SVP and they're coming to me saying, Jay, I really think we ought to take a look at this. We're spending this much time, this today, it's gonna to automate that, it's gonna do this, it's gonna save, generate revenue, save company, you know, whatever. I'm much more likely to make time for that versus a cold call, which by the way, I will never ever pick up. I think the last time I picked up an unknown number on a landline was 2012. Um, you know, the automated email, dear sir, dear Jacob, which is my real name. Clearly you don't know me if you're calling me that, um, I'm not going to answer that either. So I think you need also need to go to where the CIOs are. We're, we're in a lot of places and we're very public support. Some of our philanthropic causes show up where we are, build relationships. I do business today, Michael, with people who had patients who, I could not give any business years ago. Couldn't do it. I just didn't have the money the, or whatever. Didn't need them. But they were patient. They kept the relationship warm. They remembered what we talked about. And when I did need them, guess who got the business? Great points. Uh, Jay, we're, we're almost out of time. So let me ask you a couple of quick questions because we have some questions from Twitter and I, and I always like to take those. So number one is we have a question from Andrew Nebus and he says, when you jump into organizations at different stages, do you find different leadership tools are needed to bring your team along? And are there quote unquote tools that are always critical? What a great question. I think you always have to meet your company where they are in their state of evolution or your department. So yeah, I think where CIOs get in trouble is they have the Jay Farrow playbook or the you know, Michael Krigsman or Andrew Nevis playbook and they just want to hit the reset button. I mean, in some cases, maybe that's necessary. Uh, I, I, I feel like that throws a lot of the baby out with the bathwater. So I think you, know, you got to take the Hippocratic Oath when you land and first do no harm. And because often you're going to have some diamonds in the rough. There are terrific executives that are now CIOs in this town that I inherited over the years or senior executives that I was told, you know, might not be a, a great fit. 
And had I just listened to that blindly, I would have missed an opportunity. Um, but I think there are constant tools, integrity, transparency, you know, a strong work ethic, uh, mentoring, listening, thanking people, um, being resilient. I don't know at any point in any continuum uh, in the continuum where those aren't uh, those aren't applicable. Okay, that's great. And another question from Twitter again from at CXO Talk. Uh, do you try to change? Is it better to try to change corporate culture or limit the extent of transformation when you have a culture that's resistant? Oh wow! I think you're going to hit a point where you're banging your head against a wall. What? And it's a great question. Thank you for the question. So I like pushing the boundaries. So I, I want to at least transform as much as I can in the, in, in the, within the confines that I have, whether that's dollars or people or whatever. And, and, and then after that, continue to push, continue to push, continue to push. I think a lot of CIOs bask in their own magnificence and think that, you know, if they, if they build it, if they kind of sell it without delivering other things, that it's just going to kind of, pop into existence where people are going to go, oh, God, thank God you said that. Email's on fire, but man, that's going to be great that you want to put sensors and everything. So I, I feel like you, you, you got to start with doing as much as you can with what you're given and then begin to kind of push the envelope from there. Um, I think you're going to change the corporate culture through delivery, communication, and transparency. At six different companies, at least, I've had people say, we hear from you a lot more than we've ever heard from another CIOs before. My next question is, I hope that's a good thing. And they're like, nah, it's a great thing. You know, the other guy or the other, the lady before you, we never heard from her. And so, so I think there are things you can do to, to begin to influence it. Just sometimes it's easier than you think. So that communication and transparency are foundation. Transparency yeah. is a CIO's best friend. Okay. Well, we are out of time. It's been a very quick 45 minutes. We've been speaking with Jay Farrow, who's a very seasoned CIO. Right now, he is CIO of the largest cement manufacturer in the United States called QuickRete. Jay, thank you very much for taking your time to be here with us today. Pleasure to be here, Michael. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you having me. And to everybody who was asking questions, thank you for participating. Again, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe right now, please, to the newsletter. Just go to our CXO Talks website and click subscribe, and we'll send you the latest. We have great shows coming up. Thanks so much, everybody, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.